Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Kevin Black. Kevin is the host of the Black Market Leadership podcast and author of upcoming book on chaos, which we're going to chat about and hear about today. I can't wait, Uh, but we're also going to hear some of his story and I'm really excited. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Oh, thank you so much. I am very, very excited. Congratulations on, by the way, the podcast is fantastic and I see a lot of your work online. So congratulations. I'm really excited to be a part of this and uh, hopefully I can uh, deliver some value to your, uh, your listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, So to to start off, can you give our listeners a bit of an overview of, of what you do? So I am a, um, I I carry three titles. Like I'm a leadership expert. Um, I'm also an executive coach, but most of all, I'm what you call a strategic advisor. And what that means is I work uh, usually with uh, C-suite executives and I help them connect strategy and leadership. I am the school that strategy and leadership are totally connected. And what makes my work really cool is I bring senior executives in and uh, we do computer war gaming like a military staff. And this is where you get to see people under pressure. And then I show them how to lead and how to strategize under pressure, under stress, very much like they do every day, except they just don't realize it. So I've been very fortunate. I've had one client who had four, uh, four employees. I've had another client who, who's had 80,000. So uh, I, I, I've worked really from small companies to Fortune 5. But I got to tell you, though, my favorite thing in the world is to work with companies in rapid growth. I've worked with, uh, there's a small company you might have heard of called LifeLock. Uh, you know, identity theft protection. I was one of their two strategists a long wow. time ago who went through the whole war gaming. So I was with them when they were at uh, what, 30 million in revenue to uh, went over half a billion under my time supporting them. And I got another client now who's uh, what, 25 million and now they're worth 150 million in revenue. So wow. that's the kind of stuff I like to work with and do. Excellent. Yeah, that's exciting. And uh, I'm, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from our, our chat, particularly about your book. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about your story. You know, what are some of those moments, even back when you were growing up, that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today, Kevin? So if you were to ask me who I am, I, I always tell people I am a U.S. Army veteran. Um, and one day I read uh, Iron Ran, The Fountainhead, and I decided to do something uh, productive with my life. So after four years of military, uh, of a military college called the Virginia Military Institute, which is basically West Point in the South, uh, and six years active duty, John, I'll even volunteer for a war, and they sent me. After 10 years of being in uniform, I had this epiphany. You know what that epiphany was? I just, I just never liked taking orders from people. So I'm a slow learner. So I decided to, uh, to take my, <laughs> I decided to take, yeah. So I decided to take my knowledge uh, of all the things I've learned at a military, at a military institution and active duty army. I, I was infantry and a, a tank officer during the war. Uh, I knew I could take that information and convert it uh, for business executives. 
And uh, that's why I've been doing really since 2005. Uh, uh, I've been I've been in this field, but you know, how did I come to this part? Uh, this part to where I am now. You know, I look back at it now. I was a uh, I was a four year high school wrestler. I have chewed up big things called cauliflower ear. I know you guys. Uh, I've probably seen a lot in Australia because you you know big on sports. Um, yes. Yeah, so I have cauliflower ear. Uh, I was a you know three three years uh, of a four year career. A captain of my wrestling team, been extraordinarily competitive. I went to a VMI for the reason because I knew it was a hard school, and uh, I graduated there. And I and I went to the infantry, which is probably the most difficult. Uh, it's the most it's the premier branch of the army. At least that's the most celebrated one. I should say. Well, I should say this: if you go infantry, the chances of you getting promoted are very high. So I, I, I've always taken the hard route and I went six years in the army. I think one year of the army, I actually enjoyed the other five years. I was just waiting to get the hell out. And then uh, the good thing is the war came up and I was able to save money. And uh, I, I finally realized that, <clears throat> you know, I know we're going to get into this, but, you know, just because you have leadership uh, capabilities and attributes and maybe desires does not mean you have to be a leader. You don't have to be. It's all mm. about what you want to do. So I enjoy working with companies. I am good as an advisor, but would I want to be a chief executive? No, not at all. I don't want, I don't want the pressure. I don't want the drama. That's just not who I am. So I'm very comfortable with what I do. And I'm able to, I think, successfully uh, translate the lessons I've learned to people who, uh, who don't have that experience and, and make it, you know, make it fun and worthwhile and actually make it advantageous. Yeah, that's uh wow. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story. And, uh, I like what you said there that just because you can be a leader doesn't doesn't necessarily mean you have to be or, or should be and that's uh I, I completely agree and uh, love how intentional you've been to to do what you are doing and uh, that's a great aha moment that you shared where you went wait a second i don't like being told what to do uh, <laughs> which, which hearing that and knowing about you know hearing you tell your story of being in the army i'd i'd be thinking there aren't many places where you're being told more what to do than the army well, yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. And I would tell you for, from the, uh, again, I was in the infantry branch and, and you have to realize the infantry branch is, it is alpha male central. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating mm. to say that you were, you're around men. Well, when I was there, it was all men. I think they've integrated now with women, but when I was there, it, it, it literally, and I'm going to watch my language, but <laughs> It's always about how bigger is, you know, yours to the other, you're too, you know, it's always a comparison always. <laughs> and it's, and I don't mind that necessarily, but when it becomes detrimental or just so it becomes so stupidly competitive, I'm like, this, like, this is not smart. We should be smarter about this. So again, the, the irony though, is behaviorally, if you met me, uh, I'm you probably hear from my voice. I'm extraordinarily intense. Um, uh, it, it, and I think if you were to see a lineup of people who could probably lead a team, you point me out easily. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want, it. unless it's really in for me. So I know what I'm good at. I know what, um, I know what I can, what, what things could lead me to do to lead if I had to, mm -hmm. and I have no doubt my capability. I just don't want to, it, it's not, I don't want to burn the calories. As they say, I don't want the, I don't want the ulcers. Uh, I rather do yeah. things. Uh, I rather master my own domain. Mm. Um, yeah. And that really kind of comes to the book, you know, not a lot of stuff's run on chaos. So why not become, hopefully become the master or at least a subject matter expert in this, uh, in this interesting field. Yeah. I love that. I love that approach. And, uh, I would love to hear more about the book. Can you give us a bit of, uh, a bit of an overview, but the story behind the book, you know, I, and, uh, because I'm really leaning in, I, I want to learn about it. 
So <clears throat> again, thank you. Thank you for the question and the interest. Uh, you know, looking back, I've asked myself, is there a common denominator? It's kind of like the first uh, Greek philosopher, Thales. It, what's the one in the many? What's the one thing that you, what's the common thread that you've seen through everything in your career, Kevin? You know, being a rifle platoon leader, uh, I did military intelligence during the war. I worked at the strategic level. I've been around generals, I've been around multinational generals and organizations. And again, I've worked with small companies to big companies, even at the C-suite. What's the one common denominator? And that is that most people, most leaders are not prepared for chaos. They really are not. Uh, they, they treat chaos almost as if it is, um, it's an anomaly. You know, we make a plan, the plan goes bad. There's been something wrong, something wrong with me. Why did this thing happen? So I really started diving into it. And frankly, I've been writing this book for six or seven years. Uh, and I tell you, just the, just the whole practice of writing, you got to get into, and as you know, as, as an author, getting to that practice of writing, the more you write and the more you read and the more you contemplate your subconscious, all these things come out. And I started making all these connections about chaos. Why does this happen? Why does this happen? Is it objective? Is it totally subjective? What is it? So uh, as of now, uh, I have a uh, 65,000 words, 16 chapters, and I have an agent already. And we think we can get in from some big publishers, but the gist of the book is this, that, uh, in fact, my book, the book title, I've named it now, Strength in Chaos, A Leader's Guide to Mastering the Uncontrollable. And the whole purpose is three mm. things. One is, what is chaos? Why is chaos inevitable? Number two, why, how, why do people react to it in different ways? And number three, what can you do to master it? So those are three big areas I address, but right now the chaos element is just a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun to write about people running around with their hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exciting i'm so excited for you to, to bring it out so tell us a bit about what chaos is so i have a definition that i'm working with and i think this definition works and you please tell me what you think i think chaos now this is important listen to my words chaos is the perception of losing near to total control of your environment now hear that the perception of losing near to total control of your environment. And what that means is, uh, just, just imagine this, uh, I mean, put this hypothetical in your head, you're in a building, you're in a coffee shop, and you know, the oven, uh, one of the ovens catches on fire, and the other things just spread, the fire just spreads out. You know, and you're, you know, from your experiences, there are gonna be some people who are gonna scream bloody murder, like, oh my God, this place is, we're gonna die. And they're gonna run around in circles. But there's gonna be some old crusty guy or gal, like, all right, all right, everyone head on out, single line, orderly. The fact is that when people think they're losing total control, they, they react away. So I think it is, mm -hmm. first of all, it is a matter of perception. And that perception comes from either your behaviors or your experience. But no matter the fact, no matter if it is a perception, it's still there. You still have to address it as a leader. So I really think if chaos is usually defined as uh, either near to total disorder, I think it is the perception of losing of, of, of disorder. And I would add one more thing. Chaos, what I've noticed in my career, that chaos is not a particular point in time, like a crisis, you could say, is a particular yeah. point in time. Chaos mm -hmm. is a pattern. And, and uh, do you remember the old pinball machines? Yeah. 
remember you you you, you hit the slot and that ball would go up there and you'd hit the ball left and right and it, and it zigzags boom 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 left right but it keeps going down it keeps going down down gravity takes it to that hole which your brain doesn't it doesn't go into yeah i think um and what i've been writing is i've even identified a scale of chaos an actual a scale i think you can objectively measure and what why this is important is if chaos happens and enter in it you can get out chaos is not always bad sometimes chaos is a very uh, positive uh, opportunity to say you know what things are falling apart we have to make hard decisions but Jono, the fact is the further you go down that scale the worse things become in fact i call it a cascading effect it's, it's almost a compounding effect and if the leader doesn't step in to take the make the hard choices at the time it's going to go further down that scale and the, the choices become much harder so much so to you know you get down near the bottom of the scale and uh what's you know if your company's in total chaos not only do they think leadership's incompetent but they think that they're totally untrustworthy what's the first thing you got to fire the entire senior executive leadership you gotta get rid of them you have to restart that's wow. a hard decision to make mm. but you see what i mean so Knowing chaos, know where you're, knowing when you're at it allows you to say there's a way out, but you have to make some hard decisions. If you delay, it's going to become much harder. And ultimately, it might affect you and your employment. Yeah, that's I love that scale. Actually, it reminds me of um, there's an Australian, uh, a guy named Tim Dyer, who who spends his life, uh, his life's work is he goes in and works with churches uh, who are going through a church split. Um, and often so you imagine like dealing with chaos, um, he spends his whole life going into these and you know what, anytime there's deep beliefs and you've got an organization an institution where there's some sort of split, or he's also gone in and, and been almost a consultant to work with places where there's been really, really horrible situations that have happened, um, which, you know, people can sort of imagine the sort of, um, things that have happened in, in an institution where he walks in and, uh, and he talks about a scale of conflict, which is really why I love your scale of chaos, because that always stuck with me. And, and what you just said was like a light bulb moment because he describes these different steps and basically says, if you get to this level, three or four or five, I can't remember exactly how his scale works. He says, it's, it's, it's now too late. It's actually a case of how do we mop things up? It's, it's too far gone. Um, and that's, so it's interesting that you've identified a similar, completely different um, uh, perspective, but I, you know, for him, he was saying when things look like this, you know, that there's not going to be any sort of reconciliation. People might hope, but it's from experience, it's not possible. It's just a case of mopping it up. So for you, can you unpack a little bit more of that scale and for leaders listening going, mm, hey, Kevin, how <laughs> maybe they're on the board of an organization and they're trying to work out where they sit on the scale as an organization because they've got some really tough things going on. What are some um, pointers around how to know where you are at organizationally or individually as a leader um, around the scale of chaos so well again thank you for the question and by the way you know you talked about the, those divisions if you don't fix them they last i was just thinking about what's that group called those two groups are uh, the sunni and shia that's right yeah, yeah you might have heard of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> you might have heard of these guys yeah uh you know a little bit of chaos in those ranks because of, uh, of the divisions true um um so again again i'm still in the editing phase so i'm i don't think that this terminology is going to change but uh, when you hit chaos actually let me step back one thing you have to understand about leadership is is that uh, at least in my perspective 
leaders, in fact, let me do this. Let me just give you a brief explanation of my understanding of leadership and I'll show you how it affects chaos. So in leadership, there are really two pillars, two fundamental pillars that every leader has to adhere to. And we call that, I learned this in the army and I, I think they're actually right about this, mission and people. And what that means is if you're a leader and you have a team that you are responsible for accomplishing the mission yeah. in the most eff efficacious way, practical, that means the most effective and efficient. Mm -hmm. So that's your mission. I mean, that's obviously you're hired, for, you're hired to, to cr create this computer program. You have a team, that's your job. But though you have to balance the other element, which is called the people element. And what does that mean? That means if you're working with a team, you have to ensure that they are durable, that that team comes out of that mission of that assignment, not just undamaged, they could be tired, they could be exhausted, but they're they're They have built themselves up, they develop themselves up. Why? Because like a military unit, you want to make sure that that team continuously can drive that level of performance over the long term. And, uh, you know, I don't watch NASCAR or car racing, but I was I, I just I don't know why I think about this. I was thinking these car, you know, these car drivers who who get all these, um, uh, you know, these companies to back them, these endorsements. They had this great race car. They race it for one race, but guess what? They have ten more races to do to actually get to, you know, to get the end. If you race that car and win the first race, but you destroy that car, you have failed. So as a leader, how can you simultaneously accomplish that mission most in the most efficacious way, along with taking care of your team? Mm. So. So in that in that way, in that perspective, you really have to balance the people and what I call the systems. Uh, as a leader, you're not just in charge of influencing people. You have to know what your mission is. You have to analyze your mission. You have to communicate it. You have to ensure your people understand it. You have to plan it. You have to do contingency planning. You have to do a performance review system. All the things which give feedback to, to these people saying, your to your team saying that <clears throat> we're doing this correctly, do this, don't do this, change this. So you're coming out better in the future. And when you do the chaos scale, what you find is uh, like the first level, so I call turbulence. That literally, if you can imagine in your head, like a ball. Yeah. And, and you drop a ball in the water and that ball hits the water. It fractures a little bit. They're fractures. And this is where people usually in turbulence. It's when you have teams together who may not have worked with one another. It, it's like me working with you. Like, oh my God, I didn't expect that Jono. I thought he was he was Mr. X, not Mr. Y. I was not expecting that. Communication broke down. Uh, you know, our planning wasn't good. But the point is, you can recover from that. It, but it's a shock to the system. But if you don't fix that and you continue working that way, it goes to my second level, which I call uh, uh, turmoil. This is where you don't have a fractured hole. You have a broken hole. You have some pieces which actually fragment from the hole. And this is what we call silos. You have some uh, uh, departments, teams now working in isolation with the organization, they can get the job done, but it's usually a higher expense and, and it's a lot, and it's just a longer time. It's not the efficacious way. This is usually a combination of not knowing your people and not having the right systems. But the third of the fourth level, the third level is what I call yep. competence. This is where things <laughs> just get so bad where, you, you know, we, we went from a fractured hole to a broken hole. Now we've come to a shattered hole. This, were, this is where your teams actually form into little clicks and everyone's doing their own thing. And why? 
Leadership is incompetent. They're not as stupid. They're incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. So we know how we're going to do it better. And now all the resources which should have been uh, allocated to make this whole organization a success, you know, team A, B may be a success, but all the other teams are not. And guess what? You're going to go down with the ship. And the final, the fourth one, which is this, the worst one is, I just call this one, the level of distrust. This is, remember, this is an accumulation of everything. And not only is your leaders incompetent, yeah. but you don't trust them. Like, this is almost like government work because, you know, people are out for themselves. They're not there for the company. They're, they'll do what they want. And sometimes you get this mindset where, you know, it's every man for himself. Uh, if the company doesn't care about me, screw them. I'm going to take advantage. I'll get my paycheck. And when it sinks, mm -hmm. I'll leave. That's just the worst. And that's why I really describe those scales. It, so I, I've, again, I'm trying to think of a good analogy of, besides the ball dropping in the water, but like an Alka-Seltzer, that little thing hits the water and it goes down deep, deep. And then finally it's total disintegration. Yeah. And at that point, my friend, if you hit disintegration, this is where, uh, you know, frankly, you might have to sell pieces of a company, sell the company and get, uh, you know, get, uh, get some value of one part. Or mm -hmm. you need to fire the entire leadership team because it's their fault for making this happen. But that's mm. bad, bad stuff to get in that level. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, but it's it's also good, I think, particularly for those who might be sitting on a board or who are listening and, and would like one day to sit on a board. I, it always it always cracks me up when um, when I think of myself and and others who at some point have gone, oh, it must be, you know, I'd love to sit on a board. And the truth is that if, if you're on a good and healthy board of any organization that's worth its mission, right, you're talking about the sort of stuff that this is, this is ultimately um, the big decisions that a board needs to make. Uh, so it's at the highest level to go, if things, get the, if things get this bad or you come into a new board, or you come in as a new person on a board and you do an analysis and go through the chaos scale and go, uh-oh, uh-oh, no, next level, next level. Okay. No, things are, is actually a complete lack of trust. People are operating in their own silos. Then that's where I'm guessing you, you may have to make a, an incredibly difficult decision to replace a whole um, executive team, but at least, you know, that walking in that because the other, the other way to learn that I'm guessing would be to spend five years trying to rescue that and then realize, no, it was actually broken the whole time. You know, those are great points. Uh, sometimes, uh, in fact, I have I have one example that shows the actual scale uh, in action because one of my uh, one of one of the women who I was coaching um, went through something kind of like this. They didn't really get to level four, but what happens is uh, the board intervenes. They bring in their own people, and guess what? Their their own people are absolute train wrecks. Uh, you, you know, if you get a chance, uh, I watched this yesterday on HBO. There's a documentary called Icon. About Carl Icahn, and I think uh, three fourths of documentary I love. I mean, it's HBO. There's always they always throw the social, uh, you know, I don't the, the social statements in there, and I'm like, ugh, get this off. I, it was such a good, it was so good until this. But if you watch about Icahn, um, you know, the, the, here's a guy who's an, uh, an activist investor who dealt with boards, and you know, you, what you find is a lot of people who don't, especially investors, they always, uh, what's they always say, they always look at the racehorse, meaning the company, and they ignore the jockey, meaning leadership. It's really the, the, a lot of the investors today, and even the boards who really have an appreciation for leadership. And I have found, uh, I have found probably not surprisingly, but I have found some of the best 
executives I have met have been, have had some kind of military experience. And I don't mean necessarily the army, but they realize that's one thing in the military is you're taught that leadership is almost like a combat multiplier. Uh, that if you could have a small company but gr with great leadership, you can totally exceed expectations, totally exceed it. In fact, you know, think about the movie 300 with King Leonidas and the 300 Spartans yeah. fighting Darius and hundreds of thousands of Persians. Um, that's the effect of leadership. But the fact is a lot of people don't see that. They see leadership training. And I, by the way, I hate the word leadership training. I call it leadership education. Uh, it's about having the right people in the right roles, mm. being able not just to influence, but really to strategize, to connect the dots, to help people help people drive the mission from the ground up. That takes a certain kind of mentality. It, it takes a certain type of behavioral pattern and it's not hard to find. So, uh, you know, when, when I get this book out, I'm excited because first of all, I wrote this, it wasn't ghostwriter. So I'm excited about that. All the gray hair I've earned from it. Uh, I really did earn <laughs> But yeah. but you know what? The great thing about doing a business book is I, I'm not writing Stephen King. I'm not expecting uh, 100,000 people to buy it. But what <laughs> I am expecting is people who who realize how important the topic is and the people who I'd want to work with would actually reach out to me so I could support them. That to me, is, it would be the greatest of value and uh, talking about the subject. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you haven't shared about the book and about the subject matter that you'd like to add? Um, just because I know what it's like to have a subject you're so passionate about. And I just thought, is there anything else you'd sort of add into it as a taster for, for leaders who are listening and, and could be listening down the track? So there might be people listening when this book's come out. Um, so we'll make sure we, um, we give you every detail we have right now. So, because, <laughs> so that the main thing will be Kevin Black. Um, people can look that up. But yeah, anything else you wanted to share about the, about the book? Well, yeah, two more things. Uh, uh, one is, uh, so uh, this is why I love talking about the subject. We just talk about one chapter. That's one chapter. I have a chapter preceding that called Control Factors. And, I, and I've identified, I think I've identified 15 outcomes. Now, this is important. Outcomes, not inputs. Outcomes that if you if you can deliver these outcomes, you will you will most likely mitigate uh, uh, chaos. So I actually show you if you're if you're in a leadership position, here are the 15 things, uh, whether they're core issues, whether planning a preparatory or whether an execution. If you do these, you are going to be a rock star. And if you don't do them, I even show you a way to have a trace back in that scale of, of, of what you're probably missing. So that's uh, that's one the the control factors. But the one thing, and I, I think you've talked about this before in your podcast, behaviors behaviors play an enormous role in chaos because different behavior profiles see chaos differently. Or I should say, the, I should say this: they respond to uh, losing control differently. That is a tremendous, tremendous. Uh, has a tremendous impact on if chaos happens, and it's a great indicator of what could happen. Some people like to take auto, uh, autocratic control. You can probably tell what they're going to do. Some people would want to control just the outcomes, the quality. Uh, that has different patterns. Uh, some people, when they get under chaos and lose control, they want to talk, 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 and plan, 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 and not execute. You can see where I'm going with this. So uh, there, there really are so many different aspects to that. So um, I, I'll be excited to get this out. Mm, yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be, uh, I think you've identified the, probably the biggest thing that uh, initially that's really sticking with me is that with what you said about perceptions. And I love that because it's, 
it's so true that um, the, and, and the oven, you know, that fire in the kitchen is such a great example, people's <laughs> different reaction. I'll give you another example, which, um, which uh, really reminds me of that uh, and why I think there's so much truth in it. I remember when I was with some friends and um, when I was, when I was younger and we, we, one of our friends is so, caring and compassionate that um she had sort of run ahead of us and um or she was ahead of us sort of walking but there was someone who was uh who had tripped over they were drunk and they'd hit their head on the gutter and uh and so she saw this person and so she's got no medical or health you know care but she's just such a caring person she's there next to this person helping them just because that's the sort of person she is and she calls out to me and another mate and my my uh, my friend who was standing with me at that point he's now um, he's now a doctor but at that point he was a paramedic you know amb- uh, uh, we call them here in Australia an ambo ambulance you know he was a paramedic and um, and so he and and what was interesting in this moment was I watched our one friend screaming come quickly you know help I started running because I heard the screaming and I'm just like ah. and I turn around and he's walking. And I'm like, come on, come on. There's something wrong with this person. You need to help. And, uh, and anyway, I was like, what are you doing? So fast forward and, and he sort of gets there and helps. And, and that person ended up being fine. She was fine. The lady who hit her head, which was good. But afterwards I was like, why? I said to him, it was like, why were you walking? That was so, and he said that one of the things they learned as a paramedic is that, you, you know, majority of the time what you're best to do when you're the person who's going to be stepping in to to sort of take control of a situation the leader is to actually be calm when everyone else is sprinting everywhere so that's why he walked because he's taking in the situation and it's what he's done in his training and and i just loved the fact that everyone else saw chaos because we we didn't know what to do but he his perception and the way he stepped into the situation calmed everyone down he took control of the situation and he did so intentionally and it was that perception thing wasn't it because it's like a couple of us our perception was this is crazy we don't know what to do but he was able to actually have the perception of no i need to take everything into it i need to look at everything there is something legitimate that i need to go and deal with but he did it in a calm way. And your story just reminded me of that, that, uh, you know, that we're going back, you know, 15 years. So um, similar sort of idea. No, it is. And in fact, let me ask you this. then. so given what we've talked about, given what we, given what we just discussed, what you just told me, let me ask you this. Was there chaos present? Hmm. Well, yeah, that's a good question. No, I guess there wasn't. Um, in terms of, uh, well, we probably would have created chaos, me and the other friend, but, but no, it was actually, uh, because that's what he deals with every day. And he just, he just knows and he knew what to do about it. And so I'd say, no, what probably wasn't chaos present. It was actually our perception that created the chaos. No, right. Right. And that's your leader. Your leader says, no, there's no chaos present, but consider this. What did the team feel? They felt chaos, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, so if in essence, if you're a leader, you may say that's not chaos. Are you crazy? But guess what? If your team feels it, it doesn't make it make it less real. So what, what's the lesson? You have to prepare your people for something like that, because just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's why it, that's see, that's the yes. challenge about chaos, because you got to balance the subjective with the objective. 
Yeah, that's great. So actually the challenge as a leader isn't just to walk in um, in a calm way. It's actually to train your people to see it in the same way. Exactly, exactly. So and if they do that, his job or his or her job is so much easier. Yeah, that's great, Kevin. I'm so excited. I think this book's going to help a lot of people. Uh, well, let's finish today with Leadership Express. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is a another book? Because we've got, we've got one great book about chaos that, uh, that you'll be um, recommending to people. What's another book that you've gifted to people? That I've gifted to people? I would say, uh, <laughs> uh, I actually love this book. It's called Scipio Africanus. It's a Roman general, and uh, he was written. It was written by uh, B. A. as a B. H. Liddell Hart, who was a, a one of the premier military strategists. And um, just real briefly, uh, Scipio. Everyone knows about Hannibal crossing the Alps with the uh, the uh, you know the elephants. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scipio's a dude to beat him. You probably never heard of him. Scipio was a young uh, became a young young Roman general who, uh, when when Hannibal was outside the gates, created an army. Even against the Roman Senate, he did his own thing, took the, it, the battle to the enemy, and, and literally compelled this mortal threat to Rome to follow him and uh, follow him back to Africa. And, and he actually beat it. Yeah, he decisively defeated uh, Hannibal. It's a great book. It's a small book, but I, uh, I love the stories. And the reason why I love the stories is I like people with ambition. I like people with, uh, <laughs> with chutzpah who will take the challenge and do it, do it their own way, even if it goes against convention. So uh, if you like that, I think you'll like the mm. book. Wonderful recommendation. Uh, any great podcasts and it'd be great for you to mention your podcast as well. I'd love for people to go and check that out, but uh, as well as your own podcast, any other great podcasts that you're listening to and, uh, and enjoying or any other sources right now that just Kevin's loving reading, watching, listening to. So I love, uh, it's, it, well, these are great questions. Uh, I, there's actually two podcasts. One is the Megan Kelly show. She used to be on Fox news and then mm -hmm. went to, I think NBC. She has a fantastic, fantastic podcast where, uh, talks about a lot of issues. In fact, she had Dr. Law. I mean, it goes from sex to politics to law. Uh, and I, especially I've, I've always liked law. So, uh, I love that. And I think the other one is, uh, Tom Woods. Tom Woods is a is a very famous libertarian out there, neither Republican nor Democrat. But if you want to get news or, or, or an analysis, especially about leadership and control and chaos, if you want to get a perspective, which you're not going to get <laughs> off mainstream, uh, I highly recommend it. In fact, I, I'm actually blown away with some of the subjects, especially in economics. And, and frankly, uh, if, you, if you allow me, you, you asked me about a book. Uh, I mentioned yeah. Scipio, but I'll tell you another book is Economics mm -hmm. in One Lesson. And I, and I think it's a, it's a great book for, um, it is a fantastic book, uh, even though it's not a leadership book all, at all, but leadership is about seeing reality as it is by yeah. cause and effect and logic. And there's so many logical fallacies out there today that if you can detect them in real life, you're sharpening your mind to detect them with your team and with your company. So uh, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt a gym, an absolute gym that has nothing to do with leadership, but it's about thinking, thinking correctly, which I think you really benefit the audience. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. I'm loving these recommendations. What's a great piece of advice you've received? <laughs> God, I got a, <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh God. I got one, but I, I I'm, oh boy. I'm trying to think. Uh, man. I have one. It, it, I can say it nicely, but it's, it's kind of, <laughs> Are you, you editing can, this thing? You can say it how it is. That's fine. 
<laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> don't, uh, don't stick your thing in the cash register. <laughs> don't mess around with people in, uh, uh, with, with other people in your, <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind. That's, that's my yeah, yeah. Barb. <laughs> but, but I've heard if you're an entrepreneur, uh, yeah, don't mess around with your clients. Go in there and do the work and stay the hell away from them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that because um, it's interesting. At another level, I remember chatting with someone who, uh, who's been, who's really experienced again with boards. I don't know why I keep that, but I think because so much of what you talked about was, was is so important chaos. I was thinking not only for leaders and managers and entrepreneurs and executive team, but, but people who, who want to, or currently sit on boards, but I, it just brought to mind as well. What you just said, which is hilarious um, is this idea of um, for boards. Uh, I remember someone saying, just be careful um, having a, you know, your significant other on a board with you or on a team with you. And so it's like the, it's like the other side of the coin to what you just said. It's like, don't get involved with people that you're working with, but also think carefully before bringing people you're involved with into particularly say at a board level where you need to be able to have these robust discussions. No one's defensive. So I think that's, um, I think that's uh, hilarious, but good advice. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. Okay. A movie or TV show that really impacted you, Kevin? Oh, that really impacted me. Uh, my favorite movie in the world from a child, even today, is Patton, 1970 with uh, George C. Scott. Have you seen it, Jono? No, I haven't. I'll have to put it straight on my list because I love movies, but I haven't seen Patton. Oh, Patton is a, it's a biography of uh, George mm. C., uh, of George Patton. And it yeah. won. The, the irony is, I think it won. God, like, three, four, five Academy Awards. But okay. John, it won, it won the awards at the height of the Vietnam War, which is almost wow. unheard of. And mm. you know, in, in the, you know who wrote the script was Fra Francis Ford Coppola, who wrote The Godfather. Oh, no way. Oh, I yeah. love Francis Ford Coppola's work. That's, um, there you go. That's a great, oh, I'm just loving these. I, I always love asking these questions because <laughs> it's funny, you mentioned before, you know, it's not leadership and, uh, and you know, you got to, you got to have some definition for things, but I love um, calling this podcast leadership conversations and then chatting with leaders and leadership experts, you know, like yourself. And then we go, we talk about a movie called Patton from the seventies. And it's like, that's not at all your traditional leadership how to, but I bet more, you know, some of us have learned more from a movie like that than, than a bunch of classes we've done or, uh, or nonfiction books we've read. Uh, I, uh, can I add one more thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so this lets you know that even though the movie is about a military general, it's not a leadership movie at all. It's actually about a man and his destiny. Yeah. And if you like behaviors, you'll, you'll be easily detected the behaviors, but this is about, you know, again, I, I've always, uh, I don't believe in destiny, but I'm someone who's like, this is what I'm good at. It's what I should be doing. And I think from my young uh, childhood watching that, I have just been mesmerized by here's a man who trained his whole life, you know, his whole life aligned his body and soul for it. And uh, what would happen is his mouth would get in the way. And it's based on a true story. So uh, it is a fantastic movie. It's a long movie. Jono, it has an intermission. Okay. It has an intermission. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, uh yeah i love a good movie with an intermission um the okay one more question if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader what would you say advice i would ask you ask you ask a question i would say i want you to really ask yourself why you want to be a leader 
and think about why, what the end, this is going to require you to really think about your life, what you want to do. Uh, I, I have worked with many people before who, who see pe- not, te- not technical leaders, but they see people leaders mm. and, and they think that is the height of success. And I'm like, why, why do you want to do this? Mm. And if I, and the, re, the re, and the reason I ask is because usually behaviorally that that's not their sweet spot. So yeah, the fact is a lot of people just don't define their, their goals. And I don't mean like they're one, two, three, four year goals. I mean, what they want to do in life, what do you want to be known for? Mm. I think if you can answer that, then that kind of advice will be like, man, is this really the road I want to take yeah. or is it, or, or should I adjust? Yeah, that's, that's great. And and let me throw a book recommendation in there on that point, because it's such a great question. Uh, Patrick Lencioni's book, The Motive, I think it's called The Motive or yeah, The Motive, which is a fascinating book. He basically talks about how he wishes he wrote that first. And he, that whole book is exactly what you just described. It's this question of why do you want to be a leader? And his, his big um, sort of argument in the motive is that if you, if there's some underlying reason that you want to be a leader, that's not really about uh, realizing that that is the place that you can best serve others, then you're setting yourself and everyone else up, you know, short, and uh, you're going to sell everyone short. So, uh, and, and maybe if you recognize that, then one of the takeaways from today is that it's okay not to be a people leader and to pursue something else that is in your wheelhouse. And as you said, isn't going to burn the same calories. Yeah. And, and I I would tell you, I I know you, you being from Australia and me being from United States, uh, one thing that I think maybe still is, but used to be a part of our DNA in this country is that, uh, you know, this, you know, we were born on rebellion. Uh, we were extraordinarily independent people, extraordinarily independent. And there used to be a real skepticism for people who want to be leaders. Like, why? Why do you want to take the responsibility for me? Like, there's something underlying it. So uh, I think if you want to do something like that, you need to have, re- you, need, you really need to understand yourself. What is the real motive here? Uh, how's this going to benefit you, rationally benefit you? Because uh, people who just want to take control for sake of control are usually bad news. And I think uh, you could probably see our entire political class or, you know, or I think of that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I think we all have uh, have seen that, haven't we? When you and, and we see straight through it. And yet it's sometimes it's harder to see in the mirror, um, which <laughs> I've definitely had that revelation before going, oh, OK, what is my motive here? And uh, I think that's why I loved your question. And what a great idea to say, no, I'm not going to give a piece of advice. I'm going to ask a question. That's a leadership lesson in and of itself. Well, Kevin, we could keep going for another hour, but, um, and maybe uh, I'd love to invite you back down the track. Maybe when the book's out, we can do another episode and promo it and uh, part two and see where some of the things that you've been talking about have landed. And um, that'd be, that'd be great. So yeah, the invites there for you, the invitations there. Um, where can people find you online uh, right now? And also knowing with podcasts that people may be listening down the track and, and going, Oh, is the book out yet? And they might want to jump on and get it. Um, so just some, some, uh, some helpful info for people to find you online, Kevin. Sure. Thank you. And, and I will gladly take you on your, on your, uh, your invitation. Uh, if you want to find me, my website is my, I, I have uh, my website's kevinblack.co.co not com. That's uh, the country singer, Kevin Black.co. And uh, my <laughs> podcast <laughs> and my podcast is black market leadership. And uh, I'm on YouTube and uh, 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 
I've, I've had some uh, interesting guests. In fact, the one guy who was, who was actually not only chasing Bin Laden, but Bin Laden actually recommended to the world that he read his book. So uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I have to ask you real quickly, do you enjoy doing your podcast? Yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah, same here. It took me it took me four days, Jono, four days to get my four minute intro done. I didn't I'm like, what the hell am I doing? This is killing me. This is going to kill me. Now it's like now it's second nature, but you got to get into the rhythm, right? Yeah, it, it uh, it's like it's like anything else, isn't it? It's like, you know, uh, what's that quote? There's um, uh, I can't remember who said it and, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but that idea of realizing you just got to embrace that you're going to be bad. Like when you, or the way, I think the way, the way they put it was you just need to embrace that when you first do something, you're really going to suck at it. And that's actually <laughs> part of the process. And, uh, and so I definitely think that was, that was the case for me. There were parts of it where, and, but every time you do another, another show, chat to another person, uh, refine some questions, ask something and realize that was a terrible question. You, you get better at it. And then, and then I, I can't remember who it is. Otherwise I'd give them credit, but they say, and then you, re, you realize you don't suck as much. Uh, and then maybe you don't suck at all. And then actually you get pretty good at it. And so I, th I feel like that works for nearly any skill in life. And it's definitely true of podcasts as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people say, I love that podcast. I'm like, Oh my God, I sucked on it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Especially that's the beauty of episode one though. No one's listening at that point. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> they will listen, but you just block that out of your mind because people, if they go back and binge listen to start, you just get a bit of the raw. It should be an encouragement to anyone who wants to start a podcast, go back and listen to some of my early episodes and you'll realize anyone can, can do this. They just need to work hard enough at it. So, um, well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Uh, a quick reminder that we also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day, two other podcasts where I give you more uh, traditional sort of leadership content. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Kevin for coming on, for chatting about your upcoming book that I'm really pumped about and uh, for just being really so much so much fun. Like that's, that's one of the things, like you just said, that I do love most about doing this podcast is talking about really important topics, but having fun while we do it. And uh, today was a real joy. So thank you, Kevin. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you. This has been a great conversation. You can tell it's a good conversation because we're totally over time. You, I promised you 30 <laughs> minutes or 20 minutes over. So thank you for tolerating me. And uh, uh... Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. 
We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.